There we go. Sorry, the automated Not voice was saying the show's about to start. Here we go. Turnbuckle Terminal fans, welcome to the show. Sangai with you as usual, along with QT Vokes and Randy Zellers. I want to wish all of you a continued well wishes as things are still getting back to normal. More wrestling opening up, so if you have a show near you, get out there and support your local independents. Also have the AEW pay-per-view, a lot of our Pacific Northwest talents on that show, so support them as well. And without any further ado, I want to welcome our guest to the show. He is someone we are very, very happy to have with us. Someone that has been a very big part of the Indiana wrestling scene over the last couple of years. The Liverpool Lip Earl Joseph, welcome to Turnbuckle Turmoil. Thank you so much for being with us. Hey, no, thank you for having me. Just when you were talking then and said he's a very big part of the Indiana wrestling scene, I thought he might have had the wrong guest on. But, uh, no, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, I'm really glad to talk to you guys, you know. Uh, and I was, very, uh, I was very grateful for the invite in the first place. And, uh, frankly, I can't think of a better way to spend my Sunday afternoon, honestly. Well, we definitely appreciate that. And... As someone that has been kind of watching from a distance your journey in wrestling, can you tell us what led to you getting into pro wrestling initially? Oh, wow. Well, um, I tell you, I uh, I was always uh, a fan since I was a child. I, uh, I'm 35 now for my sins, and, um, but I have followed the sport for for upwards of 30 years, about 31 years now since I was a very young child. And it was only since I moved to the United States in November of 2018 that I, um, just by pure, pure luck, pure happenstance, I, um, I happened to get involved with a couple of companies over here and begin my training in ring, um, and became an announcer and commentator. And, um, Really, that's pretty much the story. It is one of really happy coincidence and certainly being in the right place at the right time. And I have um, my my sort of growth in wrestling. Um, you know, I'm very lucky to to be almost a unique individual in this part of the world by virtue, of course, of how I sound and where I'm from. Um, and that has stood me in good stead the whole time. Um, and I've also had uh, the help and the respect and the understanding of a number of very intelligent, very experienced, uh, very patient, I might add, uh, people around me. Um, the reason I moved to America was to get married to, uh, to a Hoosier, um, uh, a lady I'd met um, initially through uh, through Facebook of all places um, and I, I sort of took the plunge and uh, got married and moved over here and, and started my life over again and, and I truly have and, and, and wrestling has been a big part of that for me. 
like you were saying, you had sort of a different uh, way into wrestling than a lot of people have. Uh, we have a guy here in the Northwest named Douglas Rockefeller that is an American, but he started his wrestling in England before moving back to the United States. So kind of a reverse of you. He actually is still connected to a Lucha Libre based promotion in England. When you were still living in Europe, did you know of or attend a lot of independent wrestling, or is it something that you didn't really do until you got to this country? Oh no, I did. Um, being from being from Liverpool in the northwest of England. Um, there were two uh, particular promotions. Um, there was uh, TNT Extreme, um, that's based in uh, downtown Liverpool. Um, they've been going f- for a while, and I know that they have an international reputation. Um, but they used to hold their events very close to where I used to live back in Liverpool. So I was a regular attendee of those shows. Um, I also used to see Wrestle Island uh, out in um, a town called Birkenhead, which is just over over the river from Liverpool. Um, and whenever, you know, the, the English independent circuit is obviously, it's always been in good health. You have um, companies like Future Shock based in Manchester uh, and a lot of others of their ilk. Um, a lot of what you see on things like NXT UK and certainly even in uh, sort of big time WWE as well. You know, they, they all started in those promotions that I'm talking about. Um, and then you'd get a lot of, of touring acts. You get a lot of what, what they would sort of put on the posters as, you know, American wrestling. And it would be very stylized to mimic what's on television over in this country. But no, I made it, I made it a hobby. I used to, I used to make the towns out there as well. And I would, I would sort of go a, a fair distance by train or by bus to, to catch a show. And usually by myself, honestly, I, I never really had, um, Many people back back in England that were that were into it um, either they weren't into it at all, or if they were, it wasn't as much as I was. So I, I used to spend a lot of time traveling by myself to these shows and, and watching them by myself. Um, so yeah, that it's always been it's always been something I've pursued basically. Now, in the last few years, certainly since you've been actively involved in the business. Independent wrestling has really blown up on streaming services. You have things like Powerbomb.tv, Fight TV, IWTV that shows tons and tons and tons of independent wrestling content. So even if you don't live near a lot of companies or a lot of wrestlers that you can follow through social media, you can still watch what they do on the streaming services. How important do you think streaming services are to independent wrestling as a general rule? And how important do you think it has been over the last year as we've been in the quarantine age? I mean, the answer to both is is incredibly important, exponentially important, even before um, the the rise of COVID, if that's what you want to call it, even before the pandemic began, uh, places such as Powerbomb, uh, IWTV, Fight, and their ilk, they 
provided um, a, a service that's unparalleled in, in, in independent wrestling in as much as, as you say, that the, the distances between places in this country are, ma- are massive, like uh, incredible, unprecedented in my lifetime, uh, for me anyway. Um, so I would be based in Indianapolis, such as I am now, and I, I would hear about a, a really good card that's happening in Milwaukee or Nashville, Tennessee or Miami, Florida, and I would say, God, I would love to see that. I would love to see these guys fight, but I really don't have 12 hours to spare to drive. Sure enough, I can watch it premiere live on, on places like IWTV and Fight, or I can watch it at any time I like. Um, and part of the boom period that independent wrestling is experiencing is not just because of the wealth um, and variety of talent. I'm talking about variety in terms of their athletic ability and, of course, where they come from in life, their background. Um, where they are on the social spectrum. But I'm also talking about just simply the groundswell of support where somebody uh, in Indiana can watch a promotion in Nebraska, somebody in in London, England, in Moscow, Russia, in Adelaide, Australia can watch can watch uh, things as well. And, you know, I, I um, am the booker and creative director for New Wave Pro out in Terre Haute, Indiana. And... Um, we made a very strong um, return in July of 2020, right? In, you know, it seems suicidal at the time, but right in the midst of the pandemic, we returned to live shows because we are a very local community-based company and, and our people, and by that I mean the residents of Terre Haute, uh, were crying out for some live entertainment, some respite from the, the boredom and uncertainty that life was providing at that time. And, a bonus of that was that we became a cult hit. We we were accruing hundreds of hours worth of views on IWTV, and suddenly our product is international. We have people in Europe. We have people in the Southern Hemisphere uh, reaching out to us and saying, I've seen your product on the television, um, and I really love it. And if that has happened to you know, what is, relatively speaking, a, a smaller Amer- um, you know, Midwest American promotion, then Lord knows what it's doing for for uh, promotions that are bigger and more established than us. So uh, the 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 rise in the assistance of streamer networks has been has offered an unparalleled uh, positive precedent for for all of us. And the trickle down from from these streaming services down up to that the highest kind of independent promotion down to the lowest kind of independent promotion has been felt by everybody. I would always recommend that a, a startup promotion or a company that does not have its product on any of these streaming services do so immediately. Honestly, it is, I, I, it is the future of, of, of independent wrestling at the moment. I will point um, out and to, that Sorry, just to go further way, with that. Way before it was trendy on the streaming services, and I'm glad they are taking off like that. It's always good to hear. Now, one of the other promotions where you are a regular is Flophouse Wrestling. They debuted around six months ago, and they also have been uh, gaining a lot of momentum on IWTV and social media, kind of a word-of-mouth type of thing. One of the things that was supposed to happen at a recent show that was postponed, I believe, was Zane Paisley was going to actually face Amazing Maria. Can you explain why Flop House Wrestling wanted to see the death of Zane Paisley? 
<laughs> um, I guess I guess he annoyed the wrong people. Oh, I don't know. Listen, I, I know Zane very well. He and I have uh, been friends since I got into the business. And uh, Zane, while while some may see it as a as a mismatch on paper, obviously Maria James is one of the the toughest uh, wrestlers in the entire United States. She she has a reputation that is well deserved and. She is certainly high on the list of people I would not mess with. Um, but saying, you know, don't don't discount him. Honestly, he was—I know for a fact—he was—he uh, was definitely up for the fight. Um, and I hope um, in 2021 we will we will see a reprise of that. Um, never say never with Flophouse. Let me just say that. You know, um, we were recording yesterday. We did a we taped another show that should be out on IWTV soon. And the atmosphere at those shows is is a fantastic. It's. Uh, it's a real, um, you know, grassroots uh, community effort. It, it is stock, uh, Flophouse is, is stacked full of people who are desperately looking for a chance to prove themselves. It's not about being greedy. They want to prove, uh, they want to prove something to themselves, and they want to prove something to other people, and they also want to help their colleagues as well. And really, there's no other company on earth where you are going to get. Uh, Maria James versus Zayn Paisley. So, while yes, it could be argued that Zayn does have a death wish, I think, I think he could last at least fifteen seconds, and I think that's being very generous. I also know both of them very, very well. I think fifteen seconds is extremely generous. No offense to Zayn Paisley, men, of course. <laughs> no, no. Oh, yeah, maybe uh, I'm just trying to. Uh, I'm just trying to be nice. Um, I, I do not envy the man, let me tell you that. I, I would not be foolish enough to, to stand toe-to-toe with Maria James, and that's all I can say about that. I don't blame you. I have managed Amazing Maria, and I am very well aware of what she could do. So that is help you, Zane Paisley, if that match ever does take place after it was postponed. Now, like we were saying, you know, sometimes people do get hurt in the wrestling industry, and it's just a matter-of-fact way of life in the wrestling business. I'm sure you've been on shows where people have had the unfortunate accident and were injured. What would you say has been the worst injury that you've witnessed on a show? Oh, wow. Well, there's there's two answers to that. One is my own. Um, I broke my wrist during my very first main event uh, when I used to wrestle. Um, so that really fucking hurts. <laughs> I'm sorry if I can't swear on this radio show, but I uh, I, I just have uh, the flashbacks to it. Um, I performed a drop kick and I, um, I uh, landed on my wrist. I, I didn't protect myself properly. It was my own lockout and um, that was the last match I wrestled back in September 2019, and I haven't returned since. Um, we, um, oh God, I don't know. Uh, we had a, we had an incident with a, a young lad at, at New Wave Pro recently, um, who there was a there was just an accident, and um, he he bashed his head, um, and that was a tough moment. It was always touch and go, just because obviously um, head injuries are are to be avoided. Um, uh, more so than any other injury, I would argue. Um, but luckily, um, at that time, you know, the, the emergency services, the, the AMTs arrived quickly. And um, 
our man who was injured is uh, made of much sterner stuff, certainly than I am. And he was uh, he was able to be discharged from from hospital that night. And as far as I know, he was was back in the Cracker Barrel that evening having dinner with his friends. So um, I think um, you know I, I'm lucky enough that um, I haven't seen an injury occur that that brought about long term damage that didn't God help me paralyze or or you know, affect somebody for the rest of their life. Um, and I hope I never will. Um, the, luckily, you know, the people, the people I choose to work with, they are, they are professionals who, who put the safety of, of themselves and other people first. And uh, yes, it is a part of the business. It, it is a dangerous, it's a dangerous sport. It is, it is intense. Uh, it's fast moving and it's heavy hitting. Um, for now, I'm just glad that there is nothing worse to report, um, and we can only ensure that you know the right precautions and the right people are put in place to avoid that kind of thing. Um, but fingers crossed, uh, those two things I, I mentioned are only the, the worst I'll ever see in my time in wrestling. As someone that has had a head injury or two in a spot gone wrong, I definitely agree that head injuries are to be avoided. Now, since you've been in the wrestling business, I know it's only been a relatively short time, but everyone that comes into our business has those moments with the fans that end up meaning a lot to the performer as much as it does to the fans uh, through interacting with their fans. I know you have probably had several interactions with the fans there in Indiana, which can be interesting, we'll say. What's been your favorite moment interacting with the fans? Well, I mean, yes, I've had interesting moments, but honestly, they are they are all positive. I, I, I'm not lying when I say to you that I haven't had a, a negative, uh, a memorably negative interaction with anybody. I, I have been working, and there have been people who, who are – who are in the moment and, and, and enjoying the show. And I would never hold that against anybody because that's, that's what they pay for. They pay to forget and to react and to, to be entertained. Um, before shows, after shows, I've never had any, any problems with people. Um, but in terms of the most memorable, I would have to say without a doubt, um, we're going to go back to uh, November 7th of last year and, and New Wave Pro um, had a show in Terre Haute called November Rain because um, I'm a big Guns N' Roses fan and um, the the setup was we had uh, Don't Die Miles who of course you're aware of and we had Shiloh Greaves uh, originally from California at our show and those two were, were fighting uh, I think in the semi-main event and the storyline going into it, the conceit going into it was that um, if Miles uh, won the match, he would, uh, sorry, if Miles won the match, then Shiloh would be forced to leave uh, New Wave Pro forever. If Shiloh Greaves won, he would take my job, which on screen is the general manager of New Wave Pro. Um, the months leading up to it, the weeks and months building up to it were, were red hot, honestly. We, we really hit the nail on the head in terms of presenting the story and, and, and holding on to people's emotions and getting people behind Miles and getting them to hate Shiloh. Come the night itself, November 7th, those two have a fantastic match, as you would expect. They're both incredible, incredible wrestlers and, and performers. Um, and towards the end of the match, Shiloh, he, he 
takes the ref out. Miles comes back. He hits, uh, he hits an end security. Charlotte goes down. He's pulling. There's no ref. One, two, three, four, five. I come out. And remember, I'm invested in this as well. I come out and I have a ref shirt on. I count. It's two. Just about kicks out. We move on a little bit. Long story short, Miles picks up the whip with me as the ref three. And I tell you something, I haven't heard. I mean, we must have had a crowd of 100. Um, but it sounded like 10,000. And I know that sounds kind of corny, but I'm, I'm not lying. Uh, the noise the crowd made when that three was hit, Miles had won. And that, that story, that arc had reached its conclusion was something I will never, ever forget. And if you were to watch the footage of, of November Rain on, on IWTV, you will see the reactions from me and Miles. We cannot believe the noise being made by this crowd who was so invested in it that they sound a hundred times louder than they ever should be. Um, and I, you know, I'll be, I'll be 75, I'll be 85. Um, and I'll always remember that moment because it was, it was just very real, very human. Um, and it really was the epitome of, of what this sport can, can bring out of people. It's not just watching people fight. It's a lot deeper than that. It, it really, um, it really latches onto the, the base human emotions played out through violence and aggression, which in itself is the most fundamental and primordial instinct. And um, it's just, I, well, I've already extolled enough virtues about it, but it, it was, it was such a beautiful moment. And there's Miles and I hug in the ring and th- that was real. That was, that was a real thing between me and him. It wasn't, it wasn't Earl Joseph and Miles on screen. It was the real people underneath that, that were doing that because we knew that we had created something special. Um, and that will just go down in, in my memory as long as I live. Well, at this point in time, my co-host Randy Zellers is with us, and I know Randy's got questions as well, so I'm going to pass things over to him. All righty. Hey, what's up, Earl? How you doing, man? Hey, Randall, I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm, I am I feel good like James Brown, you know what I'm saying? It's on a Sunday. <laughs> We're on that turnbuckle turmoil. We're doing this here show. I mean, I, I mean, hey, I got to say, man, I got to really hand it to you. You came from Liverpool, England. I mean, and you came over. It's kind of like you transferred from Europe, America to America, America, because that's the way I look at um, Britain. I look at that as, you know, if we go over there, it's like America. Everyone speaks English and everything else, but you guys got certain terms that we enjoy so much. <laughs> yeah, I tell you something. I, 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 I'll, um, when I moved, moved over here, I, my mistake was thinking that, and I don't mean this in a bad way, I mean this actually in a positive no. way. My, my mistake was, uh, was thinking that uh, English, English people and Americans are the same. Uh, we're not at all. Um, we are completely different people and, and more power to it, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, like I say, I mean that in a good way. I, mean, I, I, feel, I do yeah. feel at home in America, I'll be honest, because where I come from in, in the northwest of England, it's very similar to the Midwest. Um, we are, you know, an industrial working class people. Um, we have been let yeah. down for decades by governments. Um, yeah. we've been left to fend for ourselves and we are stronger for it. So I, as a Northern Englishman, will always have an affinity with the people of the Midwest of America. Yes, yes. That is true, though. That is true because, I mean, and looking up because I have a good friend of mine who came from who came from the U.K. 
and and um, educated me on some European history, and I was like, damn, you guys get mistreated by your government just the way that we get mistreated by ours. Oh, and yeah, I, yeah terrible know, governments are not an American exclusive thing. It's a worldwide <laughs> thing. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> I mean, I mean, when they talk about like we, I mean, when they talk about like if, if you don't, if you're not friends with this person, or you don't have money, or you don't have a big old mansion with like with like fifty fancy cars in your driveway, and I'm like, hey, you can open up a car dealership. Come on, man. <laughs> Yeah, look, come, the, come the social revolution. We'll put all those people against the wall. Trust me, and I'll be at the front. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I and I see that you were watching um wrestling ever since you were a kid. Same here. I mean, I'm 41, and I love. I don't know why, but it's just something from that decade of wrestling in the 80s. It's just. Something that's near and dear to me, you know, because I showed my kid, like, through, I mean, I showed my kid through the 80s wrestling, the golden ages of it, and, yeah, when she got older, I let her watch the Attitude Era, and she was like, Dad, what happened to wrestling? This is cool. You can actually say ass and not get in trouble for it. And I was like, yeah, that is true, but when you go back to school, you can't say ass over there, otherwise you get in trouble by some of them teachers, but some of them teachers be cussing like some drunken sailors on a Saturday night. Well, it's funny, you bring up the Attitude Era and um, I, I, as a as a booker and promoter myself, I honestly, and, and some people kind of wrinkle their nose when I say this, but I, genuinely, one of my main influences when it comes to this is, is somebody like Vince Russo. Um, yeah! Man, you could, you could sit here all day and say what he's done wrong, but the, I will give you an answer to that. One, it's been 20, 20, 25 years, and you're still talking about stuff he did, so I would argue by the, by the, yeah. by the confines and strictures of wrestling, he's a success. Furthermore, you cited the Attitude Era, um, yeah, of which he was a large part. Uh, Vince Russo was was really, really ahead of his time in as much as he predicted how poor people's attention spans would become, <laughs> which yeah, is why he, he sure which was. is why he popularized on TV the, you know, the five, the three four minute match, and he made sure everybody got their TV time from lower mid or from opener all the way to main event. People were involved in storylines, and okay, yeah. not everything hit. But if I threw enough shit at the wall, some would fall off and some would stick. So that's just the way life goes. Um, he is a big influence of mine, and I would um, I've taken some I've taken some stick for that off people, but I'll, I'll defend them to the hill, man. I don't care. Yeah, because because you know what? It's funny how everyone shits on them, like shits on them, and I'm like, well, shoot, I'm not. I mean, he was the reason why I my eyes was glued when he had that um. Uh, what was that? That tough enough contest? That brawl for all? When he had that uh, brawl, brawl for all, all, right? Yeah. I <laughs> love that shit. Well, there you I go. That was what nineteen ninety six, and you're still talking about it. Therefore, it's a success, I would say. Man, man, I love that shit. That brawl for all was my shit. I was like, <laughs> yes. I was like, yes. Let's just do it because you see, because and you would actually see which wrestler did have hands and could actually fight a legitimate fight 
but I just I did not like the way that they did Bart Gunn. I really didn't like that shit. I was like, damn, y'all had to get Butterbeam to beat him up. Man, look, here we go. To coin a famous <laughs> phrase, Bart screwed Bart, all right? Yeah, he, he did. He shouldn't have stepped it, in with Butterbeam. Yeah, and to tell you the truth, I think if he would have just let Dr. Death Steve Williams, and I, if I was Bart Gunn, I'll, I'll iterate this. If I was Bart Gunn, I would have been like this. Hey, I want a few more zeros on my paycheck if I let this guy beat me up because he's going to legitimately hurt me. Dr. Death Steve Williams will hurt me. I want some extra incentive. So, one, I won't get laughed at in the back. Two, I'll get some extra money if I did get laughed at in the back. Guess what? I'll be laughing myself to the bank other than other than having a career that would just went to total shit. I mean, I, I, I would just ask for some more stuff because legitimately he would have beat Steve Williams, but I know it's a career move at the same time. And that there, it's like, hey, you know, someone has to do it. You know, hey, I've been there and done that as well. I let a person legitimately beat me up. But, you know, a lot of people cracked on me about it, but a lot of people forgot about it, to be honest with you. I mean, that's the the problem inherent in in doing a a shoot tournament within a worked environment. Um, yeah. as, you, as you rightly say, it, it, it was no secret that, that WWF wanted uh, Steve Williams to, to be a stronger presence in that tournament. But if you leave it up to the gods, the gods are going to fuck with you. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what exactly. happened. Exactly. They're going to fuck with you about it, and they're going to fuck with you hard until <laughs> they get the satisfaction. But with Vince Russo... I mean, I liked him better in WWF, but when he switched to WCW, trying to trying to build that, I think with WCW, I think that was a big mistake for him. I think if I was Vince Russo, I would have just said, forget the both of you, let me build my own promotion. Well, he did try to do that, I believe. He had a... a... Uh, yeah, he had a, a religious, a religious faith-based promotion. Um, yeah, that didn't do too well, obviously. No, I didn't. Um, but his WCW work was, um, in my opinion, there were a lot of the, there were a lot of other factors involved. Um, yeah, and maybe if you've got um, three hours to spare, I'll defend uh, David Arquette getting the WCW World Title to you. Um, yeah, <laughs> that was bad. That was one of the worst moves. But then again, I actually, I actually enjoyed, you know, I actually enjoyed Mr. David Arquette as WCW champion for that short stint. But that was like, man, there was like a lot of people that busted their asses to get that title. And, and right, I, but they I weren't just, they weren't as famous as David Arquette, and that's that's what it comes down to. It comes down exactly. to draw. It comes down to money and controversy. Look at Eric Bischoff. Controversy yep. creates cash. And lest we forget, David Arquette winning the world title, while not quote unquote ideal to a lot of people, 
Uh, consequently, no. it led on to what I feel was one of the more memorable moments in, in dying days WCW, which was Mike Awesome throwing Chris Canyon off the triple cage to the ramp. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. So, man, I remember watching that pay-per-view with, with a pack of my hoodlum friends, man. Right. And, um, was it we Slamboree 2000? Yeah, it was Slamboree 2000. And um, I remember me and my friends, we had the big, well, my family had the big screen TV, so everyone wanted to migrate to to my house, and and we had the pit screen, so I had Monday Night War parties all the time because I had I had WCW playing on the bigger screen, and I had the little screen playing WWF. <laughs> And yeah, you and uh, you and a lot of other people. Um, <laughs> see, I never had the Monday Night Wars where I was from because um, uh, around the late '90s or mid to late '90s, um, Nitro used to be on on a Saturday and Raw used to be on on a Friday night. Uh, remember, oh. this is before most people had had internet at home. Certainly, from like '97 yep. to 1999. So, oh man. Monday, Monday Night Raw would be on a Friday night on Sky Sports. And when I was a teenager, because I had no friends and no girlfriend, I would, I would spend my Friday nights uh, eating popcorn and watching Monday Night Raw. Um, and that's, that's made me the man I am today. <laughs> yep. Yeah, because, hey, I got to tell you, you was lucky you had that. Me, shoot. I had to flip back and forth, back and forth, and everything else. <laughs> and um, and then eventually and just what, not going back and forth, just watching one show as as the years went on. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, because I mean, WCW had more chaos. They had more action. Like, like they had more run-ins and brawls and stuff like that. I was into that, but my biggest, but me, I was a bigger fan of ECW because ECW they didn't pull. They didn't pull no punches. No, it's funny you say that. Currently at the moment, I'm watching um, uh, ECW Hardcore TV from 1995 all the way through from January 3rd to the end of December. Um, So I've just been watching episode after episode on the network because I'm scared that when the network migrates over to Peacock this month, we're going to lose a ton of archive stuff. Um, So I'm trying to cram it all into my brain again. Oh, we is because yeah, because I just had I just got an email just the other day saying, um, sorry subscriber, but uh, we are gonna be cutting off WWE network completely and all of it's gonna go to Peacock and I was like, eh. I I watched I mean, I went over to Peacock and see what's going on. I stumbled a show called Young Rock. I like that. Not accurate, but to tell you the truth, hey, I like that show. Well, Peacock um, is is fifty percent cheaper than the network. I don't work for Peacock, by the way. I've just done my research. Um, yeah. But they also have a lot of um, because it's NBC. They have um, they have the English um, Premier League, the the soccer league, um, yeah. and they have Frasier and Seinfeld. So it's actually got all the yep. stuff I really fucking like. So I'm okay. Yeah. With it. Hey, shoot. Hey, I like me some Frasier, though. I mean, shoot. <laughs> Frasier's the like... funniest television show of all time, and I'll fight <laughs> anybody who wants to fucking disagree with me, I tell you. I mean, who, who, I mean, who wants to do something with some scrambled eggs? I mean, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, mean, I 
like, I mean, hey, because when I was a little dude, I always like watching the, I always like watching the theme song because the theme song is what would get you. And I'm like, okay, I think I'm gonna watch an episode. Yeah, I was glued. And uh, it was great. It's great, yeah. It's um, yeah. My wife, my wife had never watched it until she met me actually, and we ended up watching all like eleven series in about two weeks when you couldn't leave the house last year. Damn. Um, I know, yeah, you know, I spent my time productively, so that's what matters. Of course. Hey, you know what? That's awesome. That's awesome. I like hearing that. Like when like when people was on that quarantine staying in the house. Um, I got required to stay in the house, but where I live at, you know, I had to be out of the house constantly because, you know, I had to go to my nine to five uh-huh. and then my parents they didn't stay in the house, so pretty much, I, I mean, they stayed in the house, so it pretty much made me be out of the house even more. And then when I was trying to get my COVID shot, they they wouldn't they wouldn't give it to me. They're like, no, wait, no, you're too young to get the COVID shot, blah blah blah. But my parents got their COVID shot. My sisters, they all got their COVID shots. But me and my kid are pretty much left out in the cold on that. So I'm like, well, uh, and the COVID shot costs like $30. And I'm like, shit, do I really want to pay $30 for a shot <laughs> for something that doesn't um, work? I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to get into COVID politics on this call. It's not, yeah. <laughs> it's not really I my scene, honestly. Oh, no, trust me. I want, I want the shot. I want the shot. I'm like, just give me the shot. <laughs> I was like, just give me the shot. You know, I don't care for 60 bucks. I want the shot. But um, but they said they haven't made it available to me yet, which that's fine, which that's fine and everything else. I was like, well, what if my kid, you know, they called and say go back to school, then my kid would get the shot. I'm like, shit. Because I Yeah, I'm I'm biding my time. I, I get tested once a week off my own back. Yeah. Um Yeah. And certainly for the shows I work, um, you know, COVID testing is required. Um otherwise you, yep. you you're not booked, you can't turn up. So I'm happy to do it. Um Oh yeah. I'm I'm oh, I'm yeah. relatively young. I, I'm I'm in very, very good health. I'm very fortunate to have not had yep. really any health problems my entire life. Um and yeah. I, I can happily wait wait my turn. Um I'd rather I'd rather yep. people who are more vulnerable either by age or by illness get it first. My parents back home in England have had it already and because they're both yep. uh, they both had their health issues over time. Um Yeah. So come the time, you know, I'll I'll see. I'll see when I'm allowed to get it. Um, but it's more important to deal with the people who are more susceptible and more frightened. Honestly, there are people there are people who are older who may be in good health but are just actually scared. And, uh, good good yeah. for them that they can get a peace of mind. Yeah, exactly. And um and man, and with all that, uh, I mean, I know that you're a ring announcer, you're a manager. One one um interview that I saw of yours cracked me up and I had to watch it again and it, it just God, it, it God. just got it just got funny. I mean you were interviewing a person that was um that lost their match by DQ. He had a belt with him and and um he didn't get a contract and you're like 
well, why why is it that you are here and one guy with the glasses say, I'm going to tell you why I'm here and had the SpongeBob thing several minutes later. Oh, uh, <laughs> yes, yes, that was um <laughs> That was me at, um, at Flophouse Wrestling Private Stash, yes, uh, and I was interviewing Nate Matthews and Tanner yes, Lockwood. Yes, Nate and, Matthews, that's him. <laughs> yes, that's yeah, Nate Matthews, is, uh, he's a great guy and an and a absolutely fantastic wrestler who has really come into his own in the last 12 months. He, I don't want to say took advantage of the time off because it sounds kind of crass and rude, but he, he also did. He, he um, While everything was shut down, he, he really worked on himself. His physique is fantastic. His moves has, has uh, rapidly increased. And, you know, I, I work with him closely at New Wave Pro. I, I'm, I'm the uh, booker and on-screen general manager there. And he's currently the New Wave Pro uh, ultra-rapid champion, and deservedly so. He is, uh, he's really, really improved in this last year. And Tan Lockwood is another guy. I only became aware of him and met him for the first time through Flophouse, but... He has a he has a really good mind for the business, and he is a fantastic heel because he's always thinking of ways to piss people off. Yeah, I, that's what I like about him too. He always finds some ways to get that heat and everything else. And and I oh man, and me being a newly uh, well, I was a heel once. I mean, I was a heel a couple times before throughout my wrestling career and stuff, and. And when I transitioned from from a Snoqualmie Championship Wrestling to a Northwest Pro Wrestling, um, they just looked at me and they're like, you know what? I can see your presence. You are a likable guy, Randy. We're just going to keep you as a baby face. And I kept on with the baby face until I went to Spokane. I mean, when I went acting like a baby face, uh, I'll tell you this much. I was there trying to get the crowd pumped. Only thing I saw was people drinking, and and I can hear two. I mean, it was so silent. I can hear some crickets arguing, arguing <laughs> about, "Hey, whose nut is this? This is my nut? No, this is my nut." This, I was like, "Damn, <laughs> damn! These people in Spokane don't like me." Until I got to a person named Thomas Swanson, Tommy Rush. That's mm-hmm. when I got booed. That's when I started getting called names, and all these people just kept on coming because they didn't like Tommy, but they saw that Tommy brought in a new guy, so they want to go and F with me, and I'm like, damn. I mean, people from MMA gyms was coming about. I'm like, damn. <laughs> y'all, y- y'all paid your money to come out just to cuss at Tommy? Come on now. That's <laughs> That's messed up, but then again, it was business. Exactly, like, yeah, and you know, you want to talk about business and, and heel, he, you know, just going yeah. back to Nathan Tanner for a second, like, they both really know how to draw it out of people, and I will say, without giving away too many spoilers, when, when I recorded with Flophouse yesterday, we had Nate Matthews taking on Hoodfoot Mo Atlas, who I'm sure you're aware of. Um, oh, yes. And that was, I, I'm, I mean, I know it's March, and whatever, I know, I know it's early March, but uh, personally speaking, I mean, you're looking at uh, one of my one of my matches of the year straight away. I'm really looking forward to people seeing that because those two really, really beat the shit out of each other. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? And I and I mean, I remember we had a guest off of Flophouse, um, 
uh, what Sign Guy said a couple months ago, and I remember that. And then I was just hearing about Flop House, Flop House, Flop House. I was like, I like this Flop House. <laughs> I like this. It's and, a very good company I mean, to work for. It's a, it's a good group, and yeah. everybody has a common goal, and that's that's key to yeah. me. And everybody's involved, and everyone gets an opportunity, and that's what mm-hmm. I really like about Flop House. Everyone has their spot. Everyone has an opportunity. And I hear right now, I don't hear no complaints about Flophouse. I mean, none. And that's, a, and that's a new thing now. If you don't hear no complaints and everyone else is saying good things about it, man, whatever what formula that you guys get, man, keep that mess up. Keep it up. I mean, keep it up, up. <laughs> I mean. Absolutely. You know, Flop, Flop House uh, <laughs> is like that. It has good PR and, and, and New Wave Pro as well um, has great PR. Yeah. You know, we made some big announcements these past few uh, these past few days. I don't know if you caught them online. Um, we have a show oh. 20, 22nd of May called Right Here, Right Ooh. Now at the Terre Haute National Guard Armory. We've announced three huge matches already. Uh, Jordan Oliver versus Don't Die Miles. Um, Solomon Tupu versus match. Aaron Williams and Mike Bennett, uh, formerly of WWE, taking on Cole Radrick. Ooh, now that's going to be a match to see. All like all their matches. I mean, that whole card. Hey, hey, I yeah, I've got to pay more attention to the internet so I can go ahead and catch that and everything else. But Earl, it was a it was a great thing talking with you, man, chopping it up and everything else. But right now, I gotta hand it over to my main man, the king, the king of Out Kenyan, the French toast, a chateau of waffles. I gotta give it to my main man, a QT. QT, take it away, my brother. <laughs> thank, thank you, Randy. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Randy. Hello, Joseph. Hello there. How are you, my friend? Well, I'm doing very good, Mr. Joseph. I'm a big fan of John Lydon of the Sex Pistols. Excellent. And I read his autobiography, No Blacks, No Irish, and No Dogs. And in the book, I found out he was a huge Arsenal soccer club fan. My question is, what was your favorite soccer club in England? Oh, Liverpool. And it still is from the day you're born to the oh. day you die, my friend. Oh, can you tell us what uh, uh, Liverpool's nickname is? Uh, yeah, I mean, they're kind of just known as the Reds, I guess, um, which isn't very imaginative. Um, but, you know, Liverpool is, uh, it, the name is, is synonymous worldwide for, for a number of things, uh, music history and particularly the, the soccer clubs. So, um, you know, Liverpool, uh, kind of like Madonna, it's a it's a mononym. You, you don't need any further explanation. But I guess the the Reds is is probably the the closest nickname um, you, you may be able to get for them. Oh, okay. I know that uh, John Lydon uh, he always likes the colors red and white because those are the colors of Arsenal. Arsenal. Yeah, I did. Yep. I didn't know he was an Arsenal supporter. Actually, that's interesting. Uh, uh, Johnny Rotten or John Lydon uh, never really struck me as uh, as someone who would in, who would enjoy the football, um, and certainly not Arsenal. I don't know. I always had him down as a as a Chelsea supporter, but 
that's just me making assumptions about people. So. <laughs> well, uh, Mr. Joseph, can you tell our Turnbuckle Turmoil fans where Finsbury Park in England is, and have they ever had a wrestling event in Finsbury Park? Fin- yeah, Finsbury Park is in North London. Um, uh, certainly um, closer to the, the centre of, 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 you know, classic London, tourist London. Um, whether they've had wrestling events, um, I know Finsbury Park has held a number of, uh, of, of music concerts. Um, I feel fairly certain that uh, anywhere from eight to ten years ago, um, you know, acts of the calibre of like Bruce Springsteen were playing there. Um, but, man, if they've held wrestling events there, it's really passed me by. Um, you know, we don't really have the, the, the weather for, for outdoor wrestling events that we might enjoy over in Indiana. Um, you know, British weather is, is certainly very unpredictable, but uh, it's not as extremely unpredictable as it is in Indiana. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But, um, I mean, they should hold a wrestling event there. I mean, in London alone, you've got Hyde Park, Finsbury Park. Um, but there's enough, I mean, there's enough indoor venues in London at, uh, at the moment to support all that kind of thing. So, but no, to answer, answer your question straight, I don't, I'm not aware of any wrestling events being held in Finsbury Park. Plenty of conferences. Well, okay. All right. Well, Mr. Joseph, entrance music has always been a big subject on this show. Entrance music can set the stage for a wrestler making his first show in a strange city. My question is, why, hasn't, why haven't we ever heard an American wrestler using the song by Peter Noonan, Mrs. Brown, You've Got a Lovely Daughter? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you asked me the question like I've got an answer to that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. That's, um, that's certainly the most unique question I've been asked on a on a on a show on a podcast. So, uh, so congratulations on that one. Honestly, um, entrance music shouldn't. I think I think the mistake that people make with their entrance music is that it's got to have crunch. Like it's just got to be loud and impactful. Uh, I disagree entirely. I think you can be a menacing heel or the happiest face or even just the most bland in-betweener, and you can have something that on the surface may not suit your character, but if you've got the chops, if you've got the brain, then you could sell any music. It's like, you know, These guys are going in there to sell, to sell a wrestling match and to sell pain and anguish and victory and defeat and triumph. So you could sell, conceivably, you could sell any music. I mean, fuck me, uh, the, the, the best, you know, a good wrestler would be able to sell uh, Camp Town Races as their entrance music if they did it right. Um, entrance music does not make the man. The man makes the entrance music. Could you sell being a good face if you had the song Arnold Lane by Pink Floyd? <laughs> I mean, absolutely. I mean, I would have British bias on my side. Um, although I would say if I, were a, if I were a top heel, I would come out to Money by Pink Floyd because if there's a song that invokes like feelings of jealousy and negativity towards people who have more than you and are your supposed quote-unquote betters, then that's the song to do it. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. All right. Well, Mr. Joseph, I saw your YouTube video 
Nate Andrews and Earl Joseph, uh, no, Nate Andrews confronts Earl Joseph and Tanner Lockwood at Flophouse Private Stash. And you mentioned the wrestling fans were drinking domestic American beer. Well, Mr. Joseph, I can safely say that 75% of our beer will never match or approach a room temperature Guinness. Am I let correct? Me, let me just say, in my, in my defense, one, I didn't say that line. That was Tanner Lockwood who, who said the, who gave the anti-American um, domestic beer line. I would just like to publicly, on the record, espouse my support for American domestic beer because if there's one thing I actually really like, it is like down at home, you know, cheap, uh, just uh, decent beer. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what I'm drinking right now while I talk to you guys uh, is a Hams, right? You know Hams? Oh, yeah. Um, and I know that's like kind of what, you know, college students drink over here. But um, I sort of fell in love with this beer when I moved here. And I love PBR and I love Mickey's Big Mouths and I love Cause Banquets. And so the, the con and even Bud Light, I know that gets, I know that gets bad press for whatever reason. Um, but if it's cheap and it goes down easy, then, uh, then I guess I'll marry her. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, Mr. Joseph, were you also a big fan of Newcastle Brown Ale that the Seminole English rock group, uh, the animals drank? With Eric Burden. Absolutely. Nuki Brown, that's, that's, uh, that's the shorthand for it back home. Um, Nuki Brown is, is a really good brew, honestly. It is, um, it is the English variant of, uh, of well, no, it isn't strictly. Um, I was going to say it's the English variant of Guinness, but I realized how wrong I was saying that. Um, it is a unique um, ale, um, as I'm sure you're aware. I feel like you will have sampled um, a few bottles yourself in your time. Um, but Nuki Brown is, is certainly special, and it's uh, it's like if you start drinking that and you're on a night out with your mates, then uh, you know things are going to start going down. You know? <laughs> it's one of those it's one of those ethereal, special quality alcoholic beverages. Um, and God, you ma- you're making me miss it now. Thinking about it, I haven't seen it over here since I moved. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, well, Mr. Joseph Mel Blank was the voice of such Looney Tune characters, Foghorn Leghorn, Yosemite Sam, the Tasmanian Devil, and Daffy Duck. What mm-hmm. did you think of the Looney Tune characters when you first saw them, and did these characters match up to the English cartoon character Danger Mouse? <laughs> I mean, Christ, <laughs> how, long, how long were you up doing these questions? <laughs> um, I uh, fuck. I, I, congratulations on making me speechless. I, I wasn't expecting that to come out of your mouth. That was uh, that was certainly something. Um, I I don't think I have a comparison point. I mean, everyone knows Looney Tunes, you know. Um, is Danger Mouse British? Yes. Really? Yes. That's what it. That's what my. That's what my wrestling sources. In Shelton, Washington, told me yes. <laughs> okay, I just. <laughs> oh, my, I apologize. I'm thinking of Mighty Mouse. I got confused there. Yeah, um, 
Danger Mouse and Penfold. All right, okay, that changes the that changes the question completely. Danger Mouse completely wipes the floor with Looney Tunes. Let's let's not beat around the bush here, my friend. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I would also like to put in a good word in terms of British cartoons for Count Duckula. I don't know if that's a thing over here. Oh, I'll have it, to look it's that a, up. It's a duck that's a vampire. Like, I don't think you can get any, any better than that when it comes to a premise for a, for a children's cartoon. Uh, banana Man is another one as well. He was a guy who ate a banana and became the superhero Banana Man. Oh, that sounds like Popeye and spinach. Uh, well, yeah. actually, yeah. I mean, you're not that far fr- from it. He would, he would eat something healthy. The, the main character, the protagonist, was called Eric. And he was like this uh, young teenage boy who lived in a, you know, just a, a normal uh, terrace row back home. And he would eat a banana and become Banana Man. His mortal enemy was Apple Man, who, incredibly, um, was someone who ate an apple and became Apple Man. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Danger Mouse. Uh, there's also uh, Batfink. I don't know if you're aware of that as a cartoon. Batfink, no. Oh, man, Batfink no. was like this anthropomorphic bipedal bat. Um, who has, he was like, you know, like man-sized, like a man-sized bipedal bat. And he would, uh, he had uh, these special wings. He was a crime-fighting bat and he had a, an, a, a, an assistant or an accomplice who, um, now I think about it, wouldn't, wouldn't work very well today because he was, uh, he was quite a, um, an insulting stereotype of, of somebody from the Far East, like Japan or China, um, and certainly oh. in look at how he presented himself. So, so if you were to if you were to pull those episodes up today, um, it might not it might not work with with modern sensibilities. But um, you know, I'm talking about the mid to late '80s. This came out, so uh, a completely different world, of course. But uh, yeah, but yeah, Batfink, Count Duckula, and uh, and Mighty Mouse. Yes, God, what a what a trip down memory lane, man. Thank you. <laughs> oh no problem. All right. Well, Mister Joseph, this may be our last question, but was Daphne your favorite character on Frasier? And how could she do in a Hell in a Cell match if she could time travel, like say with the Undertaker? I mean, I, well, Daphne, Daphne Moon, of course, uh, if you remember through watching Frasier, she would always say, oh, I'm a bit psychic, right? So she would, yes. she would probably actually beat The Undertaker in Hell in a Cell because she would know exactly what was going to happen. So instead of her getting thrown off the cell, she would have already predicted that and, and suitably uh, arranged herself to avoid that and perhaps dispense the same damage to The Undertaker. So if it came to it, I'm saying unequivocally on the record that Daphne Moon would beat The Undertaker in Hell in a Cell. Uh, she wasn't my favorite character, however. I mean, that would have to go to Niles Crane. Oh, okay. Yes, I, I think she could uh, make Niles Crane tap out if she applied a figure four leg lock to him. Oh, yes. absolutely. And if you watched the show, he would, have been, he would have enjoyed that and embraced it. So I don't think it would have been much of a fair contest. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, uh, at this time, I'm going to turn it back over to Sign Guy. It was good asking you the probing English questions. Yes. No, I really appreciate your questions. Honestly, you've, uh, you've really put a smile on my face. Thank you very much. Oh, okay. Back to you, Sign Guy. Thank you, QT. Well, Earl Joseph, we have just a bit of time left on the show, and I want to give you ample time. If there's anything you want to say to our listeners, plug and promote anything and everything, social.
social media is merchandise, upcoming events, your favorite barber shop, anything in the world, floor is yours. Well, thank you very much. First of all, I want to say thank you to Turnbuckle, Turnbuckle Turmoil for giving me this platform. I've really enjoyed myself. And for those of you listening, either if you're regular listeners for the first time, stick with Turnbuckle Turmoil. Fantastic product made by fantastic people. Um, in terms of other things to promote, I really just want to push a couple of things. New Wave Pro, uh, based out of Terre Haute, Indiana. Today on IWTV, we had episode seven of Higher Ground released at 2.30 this afternoon. You're going to see uh, Solomon Tupu versus Ace Perry, Nate Matthews versus Kevin Geezer, Eric Dillinger versus Zodiac, uh, a three-way tag team match, so much more. We also have two more episodes of that same show in the can waiting to go on the streaming site. May 22nd, 2021, Terre Haute National Guard Armory. We have New Wave Pro presents right here, right now. It is our first show at the National Guard Armory since March 2020 that we've been allowed a live crowd. The event is approved by the Vigo County Health Department. It took many, many, many fucking hours putting that application together, but it's worth it because we've got Mike Bennett, formerly of WWE, against Cole Radrick. We've got Solomon Tupu against Aaron Williams, Jordan Oliver and Don't Die Miles. We have a big, big another match announcement uh, at 4 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time, Monday. Uh, what date is it tomorrow? The 8th of March. Uh, a couple of other promotions I work for, I'd just like to push. Uh, I, I do a lot with uh, AWR, Asylum Wrestling Revolution, in Indianapolis, Indiana. We've got two shows coming up this month. March 27th, New Blood 3. Uh, we're going to have people like Don't Die Miles, Eric Dillinger, Jeffrey John, Blake182, who's the current IWA Junior Heavyweight Champion. They're all going to be there. And then the next night, Sunday, 28th of March, Merciful Fate 2. And if you like your Scandinavian uh, proto-heavy metal, you'll understand where that name comes from. We're, they've already got Billy Starks confirmed, Apollo Star. They've got Justin Kyle versus Madman Fulton in a Doors match, which is going to be pretty insane, obviously. Uh, and lastly, I just want to promote uh, Flophouse. We did a taping yesterday for their private stash series. That will be on IWTV soon. We are taping again on March 13th, due to be on IWTV shortly after. And of course, man, Flophouse is going to be a, a mania weekend down in Tampa, Florida, April 8th. Uh, Boozer Palooza, the show is called. They've already confirmed Apollo Star versus Lee Moriarty, uh, which could well be a match of the year contender. Um, I have a lot of interest involved in wrestling, and I, I make sure I give everything. I give 100% to each company because I don't just believe in myself. I believe in everybody else, and I believe in bettering the sport to reach the potential and reach the heights that I know it can and it will. This has been a, such a difficult period for everybody involved in the sport, from the fans to the wrestlers to the referees and production and ring crew and venues and people who, who uh, every, every aspect of wrestling, to the bookers, the promoters, to advertisers, um, to IWTV themselves. Everybody has suffered, but we are really, I hope, uh, coming out of the worst of it. Um, and I would say, really, that the future for independent wrestling in the United States, whether it be Midwest, South, West, East Coast, North, um, is looking brighter than ever. The talent pool is sharper than ever, and I could sit here all day and give you 30, 40, 50 names of people that I really respect as people and as wrestlers, um, but I won't because we don't have that much time. But Really, I would say to people who are observers or in the business who have had their moments of doubt, like I have, 
like it ain't time to give up. Now is the time more than ever to, to come together and, and push forward as one with one common goal. Well, Earl Joseph, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on Trimbuckle Trimble today. We appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Hopefully our paths will cross in some point in the upcoming year, and I want to wish you the best of luck. We know a whole lot of people in common, so give my best to the boys whenever you show up at a show. At least a few of them will know who I am. Absolutely. Hey, listen, um, like I said, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you guys, and what I really appreciate is how passionate and, and interested you are in and even in just me like you guys you guys know about me you've done your research and you've come at me with some great questions and you've made me feel really welcome and that's uh, that's fantastic you've uh, you've made me really happy today and I can't thank you enough um you know please let me know um you know new wave AWR Flophouse we I'm sure we can sort something out with you guys being there and and, and getting involved and and doing whatever um, because that's what I believe in I believe in um, social commonality and, and people working uh, as a unit so I'm always looking for more people who just love the game and love the sport and, and want to give their efforts and their time to, to what what we're doing absolutely well once again it was our pleasure to have you fans definitely if Earl Joseph is at a show near you in any role do yourself a favor and buy a ticket. He's absolutely great at what he does. Look him up on both YouTube and IWTV. There's a lot out there with the promotions he is working for and with, so make sure you get educated if you have not already. And then as we wind up the show, we have a big announcement for all the listeners. We have crowned a new Turnbuckle Turmoil Hall of Fame member for 2021. This year's inductee has held multiple championships, including the NWA World Women's title as well as the Valkyrie Women's title. She's been multiple-time guest on this show. She co-hosted one episode, that, of course, being Casey Carlisle. She's our 2021 Hall of Fame inductee. Congratulations to her. Thank you to all the listeners for the continued support. We'll talk to you next week. One week from today, we have gorgeous Michelle Starr, very long-time veteran out of British Columbia and, of course, the western part of the United States. So definitely tune into that. His first time here, believe it or not. So be with us next week, and we'll talk to you all soon.
Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.